You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're listening to The Noble and Bruce Show, brought to you by Ball is Life and Dash Radio. Welcome back to another episode of The Noble and Roosh Show, hosted by Ball is Life. I'm your host, Roosh Williams, with my co-host, Zach Noble. Zach, how you doing today? Doing great. We back. We live. We back, baby. It's been a minute. We've been inconsistent, but we're getting back to it. All-star break. You know, everybody takes their break. Um, and today, we are joined by first-round draft pick coming. Out of the Washington Wizards, Mr. Corey Kispert. I hope I'm saying that right. Absolutely. There we go, Corey. How are you doing today, man? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me. How, how do you mess up Corey, by the way? Not the Corey. It's the, whether the T, <laughs> the T could be silent, like Kispert, you know? Yeah, like, I, well, yeah I appreciate that, man. You, 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 you'd be surprised at how many, like, Kisperts I get. So, uh, <laughs> appreciate ball. you guys yeah, doing your homework. It's good hey, stuff. as someone that has That's a, a name. name. As someone that has a name that people have had difficulty pronouncing, it always surprises me when they insert letters that like aren't there. You know, just what aren't mean? There. yeah, they're just not there. crazy. It's not emails, there. bro. I'll be on emails and they just like add a letter. I'm like, it, it's in front of you. We, you know, <laughs> what are we doing? Not, it sounds exactly the way it looks. Don't overthink it. Right, and and Zach, for you, look at Gobert's last name. Same idea, but pronounced differently. Obviously, he's French, but you know. Um, well, it is a pleasure to have uh, you know an NBA player joining us today. Uh, it's been a while since we had the last one we had was Vucevic back to start the year. Uh, Nikola Vucevic of the, of the Chicago Bulls. So we're happy to have you, Corey. So man, talk to me, dude. Uh, you, you got a game tomorrow coming up uh, against Detroit at home. Um, you know, the wizards, you guys started hot surprised a lot of people kind of cooled off since then. And, and, you know, went from, you were one seed for a while and now you've kind of fallen down to like the play in bout. So, just some general thoughts about, about your rookie season so far. Um, and then we'll kind of dive in deep. Yeah. I mean, just generally the season's long, man. That's, that's the thing that I keep telling people. And, um, and NBA seasons, like two and a half college seasons. So things change a bunch as you go through the whole season, um, injuries, stats, uh, the way you're playing, how your team's winning and losing. So, um, trying to see the, the, the long game and see the big picture and how things are progressing, you know, not only on the court, but inside the locker room too. So, um, you know, I'm happy to be here. They, they're, they've treated me really well and, uh, the team's in a good spot. Coming into the season, what were like your expectations for playing time? What the coach tell you for goals for you? I mean, what was that, um, conversation like, or wasn't there much just come in and be you. We'll figure it out on the way or. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Um, I knew I'd have a shot. 
Um, I getting getting time on the floor. I didn't really know exactly how much. Um, I knew we had a bunch of guys kind of in my similar position, um, doing the same things that I did. So uh, I knew it wasn't going to be like a, Hey, here are the keys, like go ahead and run with it type deal. Um, which I was thankful for. I didn't want that. I wanted to earn my keep and earn everything I had. So, um, got there and started grinding away and, um, kind of put the right things together and, um, steadily improved. And, you know, now, you know, at the beginning of the season, I had a few, I had consistent, you know, DMPs kind of scattered throughout the beginning of the season. And, um, now I've earned, you know, a handful of starts and, um, you know, getting 20 plus minutes. So it's, it's been a really, really good, you know, progress for me. And, you know, I'm happy with, um, the work that I've put in so far. 55 games in, are you tired as shit yet? Or are you, uh, yeah, just fighting I mean, for your yeah. life or where it's, are we at? It's, you know, it's good. Like my legs, like the legs are, are no problem. Like your body just adjusts and it gets used to, you know, playing these games. It's just all about what you do in between. So, um, you know, if you're out late and not sleeping much, um, that can have a huge toll, especially as we get into, you know, games 55, 60, 65. Um, and especially for a team like us, who's, uh, playoff future is uncertain, uh, still at this point, uh, every game matters. So you gotta be, um, the best you can, you know, everyone has, di- uh, you know, everyone's dinged up, but, uh, you gotta be able to make the most of what you have. So putting your best foot forward is really important, especially for a team like us. Yeah. So you're almost at kind of at the mark where it's, it's getting close to being like double the amount of games you played in a college season. So that's gotta be, I'm sure grueling at some point. Um, and then, you know, after you hit that wall, you probably master it eventually. But my question is, um, so going from being a, a championship contender with Gonzaga, you know, playing in the title game, uh, and then coming into the NBA and now kind of fighting for a play in spot. Has that been a humbling experience? Like what, what has gone into that? Or, or is that something that just doesn't even register? No, I mean, it absolutely does. Like even before I got drafted, I didn't know where I was going to play. Um, one of the biggest questions I got was exactly that. Like, you know, I, I, I didn't lose, you know, very much in college, you know, in the, in the run every single year, like you were talking about, it was good. A question that was asked me over and over again was like, how are you going to handle losing? Because no matter what team you play on, you're going to lose three times as many, as many games at the minimum each year that you play in the NBA as you did in your, like each year in college. So like you're going to lose more and how are you going to handle that? And uh, it was adjustment for me at first, like the first loss we took or like the, you know, fourth loss we took, like I was sitting in my room afterwards, just like, like just super mad. Like I I want, like, I just wasn't used to it. Um, my head was boiling and I was just like, what am I going to do? And, um, you know, and you look at the veterans on the team, the guys that have been there and done that. And as soon as they, you know, leave the locker room, uh, whether we're playing at home or away, like the game's behind them and they're moving on. So, um, the, the, NBA truly has a mindset of like, just learn from your mistakes and move on because you know, your next game has got to be your best one. So, um, definitely a big adjustment for me. I'm still, I'm still getting used to it. It's not perfect, but, um, yeah, you know, being in the losers column more often is is a big adjustment and it wouldn't be any less of adjustment depending on which team I played for. Yeah. I mean, you didn't really lose more than twice in the last like what couple years, (laughs) a season at Gonzaga, you lose five times. It's probably like, damn, like a letdown. In the NBA, you could lose five times in like 10 days, you know? So um, I got to ask you just game wise, what were you more nervous for the national championship or your first NBA game? Uh, the national championship. Um, Love I, hearing think, 
I think all of the baggage that came with the national championship and the undefeated season and the COVID year and all the work we put in and sacrifice and whatever, all of that leading up to the national championship kind of built on the nerves more often. Um, but that's not me saying that I wasn't nervous for my first NBA game either. Like that was up there. It's a close, it's a close call. You're a big so, Is there someone on the team? You mentioned the veterans. Is there someone on the team that has kind of taken you under their wing or that you've been able to kind of bond with or learn from or, you know, on the court, off the court, whatever that may be? Yeah, I've really started to learn a lot from KCP. Um, kind of play similar positions. Our games are similar. And um, just we're starting to get closer and closer, you know, as the season's progressed and we work out together, we shoot together. And, um, you know, a guy like that has really kind of helped me a ton. You know, there's been games where I've been, you know, like really in my own head or like after, you know, if I didn't play well, I mean, he'd always come over to me and tell me to like, keep my head up. Um, you know, we got a game in the next couple of days. Like you're, you're just fine. You're doing great. Like things like that, just those little pieces of advice really help. Um, and, you know, just on the court too, just seeing how he gets to his spots and which shots he takes and how efficient he is too. I mean, you don't need to call plays for KCP and he's going to get his, you know, his, his numbers. So um, kind of navigating through a game, you know, quarter by quarter and seeing how he operates has um, been really fun for like the basketball nerd in me for sure. What about like fellow Zag Rui? I mean, were you guys pretty tight before that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like I wouldn't really consider Rui a veteran yet, honestly. Um, <laughs> And he's more of like a friend than a coworker yep. for sure. So um, while I do look up to Rui and I still, and he and I like, you know, obviously talk every day, um, you know, I, I kind of excluded him from that consideration, that question for sure. So that's, it's really interesting to mention KCP. Uh, that's, that's awesome. But I mean, you both, I guess you kind of view yourself as, as filling that type of role, like you said, right? Maybe three and D. Um, at least for now mm-hmm. as a rookie. So I was going to ask, man, uh, I mean, you're a pure shooter, right? Like, Every time you step on the floor, I'm sure everyone's up to this point in your career has pointed at you and said, yo, shooter, shooter, watch out. Right. So you're in the NBA right now shooting 32% from three on three attempts per game. So I wanted to ask this. This is always something that's interesting to me with guys like you that are pure shooters that have a down season or shoot less from the three point line than you expected. What, why do you think that is? Do you think it's just purely rhythm? Like you just need more looks? Yes and no. I mean, rhythm helps. Um, but you know, I've also had enough games to adjust to only shooting three every game, you know, and you know, also that number is, you know, if you look that's three per game for the entire year, but it was, you know, one and a half for the first 25 games, maybe 30 games. And then, you know, the middle chunk, it's probably closer to four. And then now I'm shooting closer to, you know, six or seven. So like, um, I'm starting to get more of a rhythm. And I think if you were to chunk up my, shooting numbers from, you know, the first half to the second half, my second half is much better. So I think that's um, true. Um, so last I'm, 23 I'm, games, he's shooting 37, 38%. I, I looked at from December 6th, which is your last 33 games shooting 35% of four and a half a game, 35 and a half. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's getting better. And, and that comes with experience that comes with um, rhythm that comes with more playing time and all that stuff together. But, you know, also like, it's you can't you can't um discount the fact that the nba line is further than the college line by a lot and the guys in the in the nba are more athletic than guys in college by a lot and they're longer and they're tougher and they're smarter so i mean all those things put together kind of lead to a little bit of a transition you know i didn't honestly expect myself to be going through as much of a transition as i am um you know shooting the ball that was always something i can kind of lean on and 
um, you know, kind of struggling out the gate, especially was surprising. Um, but now that I've kind of got my feedback underneath me and, you know, shooting closer to that upper thirties percentage is, is more of a comfortable place that I can live in. So, um, you know, that being said, I'm really happy with, especially the second half of my season and, um, continue, hope to continue to see those numbers kind of ticking up, um, both in attempts as I get more aggressive and comfortable and then percentage too. Yeah. Just to add on to that, um, that's kind of where I was going with it is I'm trying to figure out and I'm interested in seeing how much of it is the actual physical distance that you're stepping back. And then also obviously playing against, you know, I don't know, every guy in the NBA is probably as athletic as the best guy you were going up against at, at Gonzaga, I would imagine. Um, but yeah, so, so you, you think that the distance really does have some kind of difference in there? Yeah, it, it does. You know, like everything is more, you know, every mistake you make shooting the ball is magnified, you know, every foot you step away from the hoop. So um, whether that's, you know, your arc or, you know, obviously your touch, um, depth perception, all that's kind of varying depending on how far back you step. And that's what makes guys like Steph, you know, do who do what they do so impressive because it doesn't matter um, if he's bouncing it or if he's moving or if he's catching shooting or what arena he's in uh, or how he's feeling. Like it just is so consistent. So um, it does make a difference. And um, yeah, it, mag- it gets magnified obviously in, in people who aren't as good as shooters as Steph is. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's an adjustment, you know, top to bottom. And, um, even though 55 or 57 games feels like a lot, um, I'm still learning new things every single day. And I've been playing basketball for, you know, 15 years. So it didn't come. It's, it's always, it's all brand new territory and I'm feeling better every day. Zach, one, one more follow-up and then you yep. got it. Sorry. What do you think specifically helped you the most? I'm just uh, shooting is my thing. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's like so important in the game today. Do you think it was lifting weights, getting upper body stronger? Do you think it's more legs? Like what have you done to your form or your shot to kind of get? Yeah. There? So here you're you ready to get really nerdy. Let's get uh, it. I would love it. Yes. Okay. So what I've been working on specific, well, first of all is arc for me, like my Achilles heel has always been arc. So if I, the most of the shots that I miss are short and that's a product of the ball being flat. So um, shoot with a flat arc. You're going to, you're more likely to click the front of the rim and the ball is going to come off harder and hit the back and bounce out. So anytime that I'm having a shooting slump, the first thing I check is arc. And then, you know, what helps me get arc is it's the combination of how far the ball moves when you shoot versus how far your hips move when you shoot. So if you think about it, the, the ball moves, you know, three or four times the distance that your hips do when you shoot a ball for, especially from deep. So um, the key is to get the ball moving first um, and get the ball kind of by your you know, forehead or so by the time your hips start to extend. And so that way, you know, you're releasing the ball at the same point that your hips are extending um, all the way, which gives the ball the maximum amount of power and a good amount of arc to get to, you know, the rim and drop in at a, at a good angle, you know? So um, it's all like really, really fine tuning and it takes, you know, a lot of video and slowing it down and, you know, a feel and coaches who are kind of on the same page as you are to get that perfect mix. Um, and you know, I'm almost there. I've say I've I'm like, you know, 95% of the way there as far as like really, really honing it in. Um, and then, you know, honestly, I think you've heard to talk to a guy like Steph, like he's like what, 98, 97 and a half percent, like the margins really that, that small. And, um, you're never going to perfect it because you're never going to make every shot. Um, but just when you really kind of hone in those details, you can start to master it. And then, you know, more shots are going to go in. So I think that's kind of what I've been really dialing in on and you're seeing my numbers kind of get better as the season goes along. 
Are, how are you tracking that arc? You said you mentioned the arc. Are you, are you just watching video or do you have like science, uh, bitch? <laughs> Jesse Pinkman, baby. There uh, you go. One of my favorite. Uh, yeah, I watched it. Um, uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a few things. Yeah, it's video. I mean, I watch film of pretty much every shot I take um, from game to game um, and kind of watch that. We have, uh, are you familiar with like um, the shooting system called NOAA? No. no it's, so it's short for Noah's Ark. A lot of NBA teams have it. It's like a, it's like a system that they have in their practice facilities that um, tracks the shot of a ball and it monitors the way or the degree um, in which the ball like enters the hoop. So like at, you know, 35 degrees, 40 degrees, um, how the ball enters in and then it tracks, makes and misses. Kind of like the opposite of like a launch angle for baseball. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So it's yeah, an entrance angle. Sure. And um, so if, you know, if I'm really kind of lost and want to get back on track, then we'll dial up the Noah and, um, dissect a workout and things like that. But, you know, a lot of it's feel too. It's just kind of the, the line that I like to see the ball on as it flies through the air. Um, you know, what I feel comfortable with and, um, there's little things you can tweak to kind of help that, uh, get to where you want it to be. Dude, that's impressive. Really appreciate you going into the, that science. Love it. Um, don't get that all the time on here. So we really appreciate that. Uh, but my thing is, um, yeah, I had you before the draft as one of the best shooters in the draft, and I still believe that. I mean, you've shown all the signs, and just knowing the science like that, what, what else do you need to hear? But uh, my thing with rookies is they always get way overjudged. I mean, at, at the end of the day, all I care about is just seeing enough games, uh, enough games where you do put it together and being well-rounded, being able to show improvement and growth throughout the year. Like, I'm one of the few I feel like that gives all rookies basically a free pass unless you just suck from point A to point B. Um, it's it's a huge adjustment. It really is. I mean, um, it is everything, and you have grown throughout the year. But also, I mean, from an advanced perspective, I mean, defensive numbers, I mean, your field goal percentage, TS, true shooting percentage, I mean, free throw percentage, you're 89%. Like, everything checks out. Like, I see it trending the right way, so... I'm excited for the future. And the best part is you came on at the right time because everybody gets better once they come on here, man. No, well, it's, appreciate it's just it. science. Yeah. a little good. Yeah. I mean, we can, we can talk more science too, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I appreciate it. I can, I'll take any good luck I can get. And yeah. To your point, like it really does take a whole year. Like, um, you know, guy, you don't really see guys kind of, unless you're, you know, rookie of the year and you're destined for stardom. Or like you said, you suck right. from point A to point B. Like it really does take a year. Kawhi sucked his first couple of years. I mean, yeah, and so like, and so like the you know like year two, year three, you really start to see those guys kind of improve exponent uh, exponentially and um, day by day, baby. Yeah, day by day, and you, you 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 stack enough good days on each other, and all of a sudden you look back and you have a year like Desmond Bain had this year. You know, like yes, he's sir. just really he's really like stood out and he's been really impressive, and I'm sure that he's put in a ton of work and he had like a I mean, I think he had a really good rookie season, but it's nothing compared to the second year he's had. And he's kind of just a classic case of that for sure. Yeah. I mean, especially with the way basketball discourse kind of has turned, you know, it's all 24 seven gratification right now. Gratification, everyone on Twitter, you know, and then, and then you got kids. Um, I don't know, man, that, that maybe that, you know, they don't remember like how it used to be, for example. And they're just used to like, Oh, Trey and Luca came in like on fire. Like where, you know, why isn't everyone else? And so, they forget that it is a process, but, but I'm a believer that, you know, rhythm and confidence take care of when the talent and ability and IQ is all there. I think it becomes a matter of rhythm and confidence. Cause when you're thinking, when you're spending time thinking on the court, the game moves so quick that 
that translates into mistakes, even if they are, you know, just by the slimmest of margins. But yeah, I mean, like, like Zach said, trending the right way and everything's, you know, looking good. So I want, I wanted to ask you, um, I'm always interested in the player's psyche entering the draft. Um, did you have expectations for yourself? You know, were you thinking about those things, place you wanted to play team you wanted to play for, or were you just kind of like, look, my agent's going to handle it. What, you know, whatever, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. I mean, you, of course your mind wanders and you think about it. Like you try not to, because it truly is out of your hands. Like other than the workouts that you do uh, with teams, you know, leading up to the draft, it really is out of your hands. So, you know, judged, judging based on the teams that I worked out with before the draft, I kind of knew the pick slots, the pick range that I was going to go in, um, in case, unless something, you know, really bad happened or I got hurt during one of those workouts. Like, um, I kind of knew if, if he, where I was going to go. So, um, just really kind of honing in on those teams and having my agent do most of the grunt work and, um, just being there with my family and friends on draft night. So, um, you know, kind of having a little bit of knowledge in the back of your head, but really trying to just like soak in the experience and, um, take it all in and, you know, try not to get too excited or disappointed, you know, depending on where you got drafted. I mean, we just picked up, we just got a Porzingis to the trade deadline and like all of New York, all of Manhattan booed him on draft night and look what he's done so far. So, um, you don't want to get too wrapped up in that because, you know, your career is, um, only stretching out in front of you after draft night. So, so you um, weren't surprised when the wizards took you 15th? No, not really. No. I mean, they were, they were in that range and, um, I had a good workout with the wizards and, uh, they were my last workout before the draft. So I knew what I did was fresh in their mind, um, heading in and, um, had a really good conversation with the GM and a bunch of the coaches before I left for New York and, you know, felt really good about it. So, um, yeah, it was great. And I was super happy about it. And, um, I'd never been to DC before. It was the first time I ever like had been there. So that's crazy. Um, truly, truly jumping in and you know, kind of baptism by fire, uh, being in a place like this. Have you gotten to know the city feeling good about it? And are you just, yeah, like, yeah body right now? No, I'm, I've gotten out and gotten to see a little bit, whether it's, you know, eating with friends, going to eat with friends or, you know, there's so much stuff to do just right down the, right down the river at the mall and, you know, all the, like the, the museums and stuff like that. So whenever I have family in town, I got to explore that side of the city. And, um, it's just so different than anywhere I've ever been. You know, you go to New York, you go to LA, you go to, you know, any other city like that, it's all skyscrapers and yep. big, town, like big, you know, big buildings. And there's a central downtown, but you know, I drive by the Pentagon and the Capitol building on my way to the facility. And then I drive by the white house and the Washington monument on my way to the arena. So like, that's just a different kind of feel. And it's just, it just doesn't get old. So what was the team's mindset when Bradley Beal went down? Um, was it a big youth movement? It's like next man up. I mean, Corey, you're going to get your time now. It's coming because your minutes really spiked up after that or just business as usual. Nothing really changed or yeah. Was there much of a conversation there or? Yeah. Yeah. It was like, a, yeah, we, of course. Um, and it was a conversation, you know, not only from the coaches, but from Brad too. Like he was the, he was like a big proponent of like, you know, kind of like the next man up, like everybody's got to help out. Everyone's got to put in, you know, 5% more and we'll be just fine. Like it wasn't, you know, this big, like it didn't, even though it is a big deal, like Brad's our best player and him getting hurt is a big deal, but he, he made it feel like not a big deal. And that's really, it was big for us, you know, for all of our confidence, like he, breathe confidence in every single one of us, whether it was me or Kuz or KCP or Gafford, like we 
all knew that we were good. And um, we had to change and kind of tweak our style of play a little bit. Like, um, you know, we don't have a guy like, you know, Brad, where we can just throw the ball to for five straight possessions and just watch him work, you know? Um, so that we had to tweak that a little bit. Um, but you know, all in all, like it's been a positive experience and, you know, guys are getting better and picking up new things that, you know, they never would have if Brad would be in the lineup and that's not a discredit to him. It's just kind of the way things have worked. I know it's hard to say, but where do you, where do you think you are the best at, on the court um, at this point in your career? I mean, is it coming off screens? I mean, is it in the corner? I mean, where, I mean, yeah, you I think, spots I think, yet or? yeah, I think it's pretty clear that my best numbers are in the corner. Um, and I think that's, you know, probably widespread across the entire league. I think it's hard to find anybody who sure. isn't better in the corner. Um, I don't have a problem with moving, you know, moving, you know, right to left or left to right, um, to get into my shot. Um, I definitely need to work a little bit more on putting the ball on the deck and, you know, working on, you know, finishing not only around the rim, but inside the paint floaters, mid range jumpers, stuff like that. I know those aren't, um, you know, just like a huge, a huge part of the NBA anymore, but, um, they still are, you know, vital pieces if you can pick them up, but, um, yeah, definitely in the corners uh, is where I'm most successful. And, um, if I'm moving, I usually don't have much of an issue. Who are you trying <clears throat> now, now that you're at the NBA level, right? Cause obviously, as you well know, there are levels to everything you, you know, in high school, superstar, uh, college, you could be a superstar elite scorer. And then once you get to the NBA, you might have to start back over and kind of build your, build your game back up. So who at the NBA level are you trying to model your game after on the court? Yeah, it's always been Clay Thompson for as long as I can remember. Um, like in my, my years in college, like whenever I would, you know, have slumps or not feeling good, like I watch him score, you know, 60 and three quarters or like, uh, you know, 60, like again, 60 on like 12 dribbles or whatever he did. Like, didn't he drop like 37 and a quarter? I forgot what yeah, it was. 37, yeah, yeah, it was 37 and a quarter. And then, you know, I would just like watch him move and watch him shoot off the catch and put the ball down once or twice and get to a move. Like it's really simple. It's effective and it's beautiful in my eyes. And you know, the way that he's transformed into an all-star by, you know, just being able to shoot really well and move without the ball is special. And you can see that, you know, any team would be lucky to have him and the Warriors, you know, just caught lightning in a bottle. So, um, and there's also a little bit of like, I watched him play at Washington state, like a Washington kid. So, um, he was kind of close to home. And so I kind of watched him as he got from his rookie season all the way to where he is now. And, um, uh, that's kind of what I want to be. That's the gold standard. And that's where I want to go with my career for sure. So do you, just, just to follow up on that, do you practice a lot of shooting off balance? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it's necessarily like off balance, but like leaning and like moving and like, you know, jumping in one spot and drifting, like for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, he's really, really good at that. Like you see him jump, but his like body stays like, perfectly square to the basket as he's moving and drifting. So, um, the margin crazy. You can like lean and still like keep the form and like, you yeah. know, and, and a lot yeah. of times when a guy hesitates and then brings it back and then pops it, like usually it just feels like those don't go in, but he doesn't miss them. So yeah. 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 He's, I mean, it's really special and, um, you know, watching him operate for year, for year in and year out, it's, it's been a treat for me and I'm, I'm continuing to learn more and more from him. Yeah, no matter how off balance he is, he finds a way to hit each spot in his form, which is incredible, and that's always the most impressive part. Um, you said Washington State. You watch Clay a lot. Uh, you grew up in Washington. Got to ask. I mean, how involved were you in like 
the Washington NBA scene growing up or when did you get involved in that? Were you ever, or, um, were to be you more fan? specific, were you a supersonics fan? <laughs> uh, yes, I was. And were you even alive, Corey? I was, <laughs> yeah, kidding. believe it or not. And it feels like it was a long time ago, but like I was, I moved or when the team moved, I was nine. So that was like, I mean, we had Kevin Durant for one year. That's got to be devastating. And we drafted Russell Westbrook, and I was a nine-year-old. So I was su- I was just getting into basketball, and I was just getting excited about it. And then the team left. So I remember going to NBA games at six. So yeah, totally. I mean, exactly right. Like it's just like everything about it is so appealing for some a kid like me who just loved the game. And um, yeah, it sucked. It, it was really difficult for the city for a bunch of years. But the reality was like the arena was garbage for a long time and you couldn't host an NBA team in the modern NBA with an arena like that. <laughs> so, um, you know, thankfully they rebuilt it There's a hockey team now. And hopefully like the, in the next handful of years, we're, we're going to see another, you know, a Sonics team in Seattle. The Kraken, baby. Yeah. Are, are you a Thunder fan? Did you, did you follow them to OKC even a little bit? No. Or is that like a source of no, no, no. it's like a, it's a, yeah, you're, you're getting pushed out of a lot of friendship circles. If you're a Thunder. Got you. Did it like, so did it crush the hearts of like real, what are y'all Seattleites? I don't know. Yeah. Seattleites. Yes. Seattleites. Just yeah. to, to see like the team leave and then immediately become like, you know, a juggernaut obviously with, with Harden and, and Russ and Katie. Cause I have a bunch of friends from Oklahoma city and I always, I'm from Houston. So I'm a rockets rockets through and through. Mm-hmm. And I basically, we'd, we'd always like argue or whatever. And I just, I tell them like, look, y'all started on top. Just wait, just wait until like you hit rock bottom. And now you got to go through what we've been through. And now they are, and they're like, they're, they get it. So I could yeah. imagine that would break the hearts of Seattleites. Totally. And like, just seeing them have success, like within the first five years of them moving was just like, are you kidding? And, um, but you see like NBA play, I mean, like, uh, like it must've been like two or three years ago when they had the preseason game in Seattle, when the Warriors played with Kevin Durant on the team, like he came out and he ripped off and I Sean Kemp jersey. On. So was crazy. Yeah, it was sick. And like, he loves the city. He's been, he's been like quoted by saying he loves that city like over and over again. And, um, anybody who's been there, uh, thinks it's a great sports town and you know, it, they'd be well supported. Um, if they had a team there for sure. Favorite supersonic pre KD era. Ooh, Ray Allen. There we go. Ray Allen. Yeah. Y'all were, I mean, even when you were a kid, Ray Allen and Richard Lewis from Houston, yep. Uh, y'all, I mean, you had that crazy second round series against the Spurs. I remember that Jerome James got him a full MLE contract based on that series alone. There you and go. Went on, to, went on to average like three points a game afterwards. But, but, but what yeah. about like the Jamal cross for cross uh, crossover? I tried to combine them to Crawford crossover. Um, did you ever go to that camp where you, were you immersed with those guys at all? Zach Levine? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like he, he's hard to miss in the city for sure. Like, <laughs> every he's back there every summer he does his pro-am now like i pray i played in the pro-am for a year um uh when summer in high school and uh he's just like he is like the best like anything that um you want to know about the nba he'll tell you like he'll take pictures he'll sign autographs he'll look you in the eye um and he has just been he's been a staple in seattle for years so uh, i got to know him pretty well kind of growing up going through high school um, obviously guys like Isaiah Thomas, um, Brandon Roy. Um, and then even if you get into it a little bit further, just any guys who like played at the university of Washington and were like really successful were like a really big deal. And, um, you know, those guys are at the top of the list for sure. Did you ever, I would imagine you grew up playing some games with Kevin Porter jr. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
yeah that's absolutely awesome. yeah that's your, that's your boy on the, on the on the rockets um there you go yeah he was a he's a year younger than i am and um definitely his path to the nba was a lot quicker than mine but um he my last year in aau uh he would be like he played up and played at our level of course so um yeah we had a bunch of games together do you see him as a future point guard like a real point guard or do you see him playing more uh, too I see him off the ball. I mean, he's just, he's just so good with the ball in his hands and like just scoring. Like he has such a good feel for the game. Um, he's really shifty with the ball, obviously. And, um, I think if you have somebody who can facilitate next to him and get the ball to him in his spots is where he'll, you know, shine the most. A uh, fun fact. I don't know if, if you're aware of this movie, but, uh, there's a movie called sixth man starring Marlon Wayans. It's about two oh, brothers shit. that play at Washington at the university of Washington. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. It's like a cheesy basketball movie from the nineties, but I loved it as a kid. Uh, and they, they play for Washington and it's like, they have this badass team and go on to win like the title or whatever. So, um, crazy premise, two brothers, one of them dunks falls and dies. <laughs> it's like a kid, it's a kid's movie. He breaks his back and like dies, but then his angel comes back and like helps guide them to the national championship. And, you know, uh, it's I, as a kid, I think I was like seven when it came out and I just ate it up. So, but I remember they played for the Washington Huskies. That's like where I learned about the Washington Huskies, but I digress. Um, so I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about Gonzaga cause you had a hell of a run at Gonzaga. Um, so, I mean, I guess my first question would be national championship. I mean, how, what happened? How did that feel? Like, so I, I, I'm from Houston. I went to the University of Texas, so I have a strong dislike for Baylor, mm-hmm. and I was going real hard for y'all. And then, obviously, you know, but but yeah, I mean, just talk a little bit about that experience. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for being such a big fan. It means a lot, and especially for being from Texas. And then, secondly, yeah, I mean, like we had so much like hype and like build up going in, and like everybody, you know, our program, whether we wanted to admit it or not. And then around the country, we're like, these guys are the favorites. Like you, you got to go through them if you want to win the national title. So we got there and I don't know, the Achilles heel for our team that year and a lot of Gonzaga teams, honestly, that I played for, um, was like physicality. It was like, if you, if we put up, if we like came up against a team that was just like stronger and like bullied us and punked us, like we were going to, we were going to struggle and we struggled in games that year with physical teams, we ended up, you know, beating them because we had better talent. But uh, when you run into a team like Baylor who has similar talent and then just came out with like a mentality of like, we're going to beat the shit out of you. Like it was hard. And um, they punched us in the mouth really early. And, you know, as we were like staggering back, they, you know, jumped to a 20 to four lead or whatever they did. And, um, you know, after that, we kind of played them even for the rest of the game. But um, the first, you know, six minutes was tough and you know the credit the credit goes to them for you know jumping on us like that and and making it difficult but I mean, that's, that's kind of what it came down to is we felt like we had more talented guys and we knew we could you know hang with them it was just a matter of meet, met, like meeting and matching their physicality we felt like we could have won that game and we didn't so um you know the credit goes to them and you know you know I'm, i've gotten to know a few of the guys on the team now after the game and um, they're great dudes so that doesn't help at all either. You know, that they're so nice. Um, <laughs> you want to hate them forever. Yeah, I want to hate them forever, but you know, they're good dudes. So, um, the game's behind me and it sucks that we lost, but, um, yeah, the credit goes to them. They, they played great. 
Last question on Gonzaga. How would you say that best prepared you for the Gon- NBA? Gonzaga. <laughs> Gonzaga. Well, I appreciate you saying Gonzaga and not Gonzaga. I appreciate you guys. Um, that really pisses me off. But uh, yeah, how prepared me the authority, NBA? baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, say it with your chest. Um, how prepared me for the NBA? Well, like my path to the NBA from Gonzaga has like a really similar feel to what a lot of rookies and like rookie contract guys go through in the NBA. So like I got to Gonzaga, um, struggled, tried, failed, struggled some more, worked hard, put in the work, didn't see the results, um, kept working, kept my head down, had people in my corner who believed in me. And, you know, you know, year one didn't see much year two, a little bit better. And then year three, I had a big jump. And then year four, I doubled that. So like, it's kind of like, that exponential growth, um, you know, mindset of, um, just keep putting in that work and it's going to show eventually you just don't know when. Um, so coming to the NBA, having a little bit of struggle and having to work hard and work through that, um, was just natural. It was just kind of like rinse and repeat, uh, for a guy who has been through that, you know, multiple times. So, um, I'm no stranger to struggling. I'm no stranger to coming up short. Um, but the difference between me and a lot of other people is like, I'm going to come back just as hard the next day. And, um, I think that's, what's going to carry me through my NBA career, no matter how successful or not it is. Um, but you know, like no matter how rough things get, like you'll see me in the gym the next morning, like hundred um, percent. Um, that comes from the people that I played with at Gonzaga and the people that, um, came before me at Gonzaga who set that precedent. Um, we call it watering the bamboo. Do you guys love it? Familiar with that at all? Yeah. I've heard it. I'm not, I'm not, please tell me. Yeah. So the way that bamboo grows is it, you, like you plant the seed and you water it and you water it and you water it and nothing shows up and you don't see any growth at all for, I mean, I'm going to butcher the numbers, but like, let's say you don't, you don't see it all for eight months. You keep watering this bamboo plant and nothing's going on. But what you don't see is that the roots of this bamboo plant are just like shooting down deep into the ground and grabbing hold and, you know, really making the plant strong. And then at year at month eight, the plant shoots up and it grows to 20, 30 feet in a month. So it's just, a, it's the principle of like, you know, no matter how much you're not seeing the results and how much you're not um, seeing things go the way that you want them to, like, you know, that every single day that you put in the work is just those roots going deeper. So when it is time for you to kind of burst out of the ground and grow, mm. it's going to grow and grow and grow, and grow faster than you ever thought. So that's incredible. That. I didn't know yeah. that. We use that term that. Is that like a Gonzaga uh, thing or is that just, uh, I mean, it's like a, it's not a Gonzaga thing, but it's, it's what we use a lot to talk to, you know, especially the young guys um, awesome. that are coming in and a lot of teams, you know, are familiar with that. Yeah. I think there's real value in that ability, kind of the trajectory of, you know, your collegiate career starting struggling and then getting to where you got, because conversely, I think we see a lot of guys come in as stars and it's hard when all you know is being a star and then you get to the league and you're not a star. Um, I think some guys really struggle with that transition and I feel like it's even ended some careers over the years, right? Like guys not being able to kind of take that humbling, not knowing what to do with it, not knowing how to reinvent themselves, not having the foundation to, you know, put in the work necessary because it's just always kind of come easy to them. So I think that's really awesome. Yeah. Um, And yeah, totally. And like you see, it happens on different timelines, right? Like you see some guys in their career and then you have guys at year eight who have a breakout year and then guys at year three have a breakout year. So it's just different for different people that's the beauty of the NBA is everybody's path is different, but everybody's there. So, and kind of on a different scale than that, like different, same principle, different situation. 
like DeMar DeRozan is having an incredible season. And a lot of people thought he was on the decline, you know? And so it's like, you just never know um, when that transformation can or cannot happen. Like he's 32 or whatever. He's been in the league for a minute. Yeah, um, absolutely. Exactly. So, okay, Corey, we appreciate you, man. We're going to ask you a couple questions about Corey Kispert off the court. Mm. Um, and then, and then we'll pack you up and get you out of here. So, uh, Zach, would you like to kick us off? Yeah. So I believe I heard in another interview, but you're being in business already, um, off the court. I don't know if you're just studying it yet, or, um, you're actually involved in businesses. What do you like to do outside of this? Is it, are you actually into business or what, what yeah. are we talking about here? Yeah, I mean, kinda, not really. Um, I'm still, so I'm currently in the master's program for business at Gonzaga. Nice. Still in school. Are you uh, studying in, while you're in the league? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, dude. Congrats. That's amazing. Yeah, I, had to, people. I had to, I had to save my word document, uh, in order to get hop on the call with you guys. So, um, Love it. yeah, I mean, yeah. So I'm still in the business program, still in the business school. I'm studying hard on that. Hold uh, on. Just, just to be clear, you're getting your MBA during your rookie season in the NBA. Yes. You should rap and incorporate that somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, NBA, hey, NBA, baby. First of all, I can't rap, but I'll let anybody kidding. else take that if they want to. Um, Can anybody if, rap within the Wizards? Yeah, Isaiah Todd. Isaiah Todd can rap. Yeah, he's been the There we go. He's yeah. you, you were saying, though, about business. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in the business school there. I'm, I love it. Um, and I'm learning more and more. Uh, and as far and as I go through you know, my MBA career and business opportunities come up, like it's going to be really helpful to not just lean on other people's advice and just trust what people are saying um, about these business pitches that they're giving me. Like I have knowledge and experience from, on my own that I can, you know, sift through ideas and make smart decisions. Um, but yeah, super into business and I'm looking forward to kind of growing that hopefully through experience rather than just learning it in the classroom. Good stuff. Any certain aspect you hope to get into or just pretty wide open right now? Yeah, well, my, well, my degree, my undergrad degree is in marketing and entrepreneurship. So, um, that's everything. Yeah. It's everything. It was pretty, it was, that was by design for sure. Well, you're going to have some childhood friends hit you with like, yo dude, I just created the, juice <laughs> the million dollar idea. The yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's already happening. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so food, man, I'm a food, like who doesn't like food, but I love food. And I would imagine that DC's got a food scene. And I feel like see, I've been to Seattle and I thought the food was great. Mm-hmm. Um, food, man. What do you like? Um, I, I love, so I've gotten a new, a new uh, love for Italian food since being here. It's a pretty big Italian scene out here. Uh, big portions, like lots of carbs, puts you right to sleep. So, I mean, that's always great. Um, and then you I have like, a, like handmade pastas and things like this. Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, handmade pastas, um, like Italian subs, really good pizza. Like the difference in pizza has been a big deal. Uh, I'm not like DC isn't known for like, you know, a certain style of pizza, but like the quality is really good. So, and I'll take that. And then also because there's just like so many different people from like different parts of the world that come to DC just naturally, like there's good food from like every nationality, like everywhere. So, um, it's not hard to, is there a specific like, so in, again, I'm from Houston in Houston, we have like a really strong Vietnamese population, mm-hmm. for example, and we got some great Vietnamese food as a result of that. Is there any type of, uh, contingent that, that you have like noticed in DC? Mm-hmm. I mean, not honestly, like, honestly, it's, it is like just very diverse from like around the world. So, um, you know, while like they're, 
probably Armin doesn't like look at what exactly it is, but while there are like stronger numbers from different um, nationalities or, or, you know, things like that, it's just like really strong across the board. Um, Cause I mean, there's embassies, there's 50 embassies, 60 embassies. So like that kind of lends itself to that right away. That's amazing. So Italian food is the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was going to ask you this, man, on a game night, um, you know, you're on the road. Let's, let's focus on the road. Cause home, I'm sure you can find your groove at home. You're on the road. You know, y'all are up in the hotel obligations for the evening are done. What are you doing? Uh, maybe not even game night, maybe like, you know, the night before the game or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. I mean, I, if anybody asks me to go out to dinner on the team, my answer will always be yes. So like, it's, it's similar to you. And then being a foodie, like we don't spend much time in each city that we're in because you know, the games are happening. We're out. But, um, the night before, like I always try to, like, I always want to go to a spot that's in town. You know, if we're in Memphis, we'll always do barbecue or if we're in New York, we'll do, you know, Italian or pizza or whatever. Um, in like in Miami, we're doing Cuban food. So like, things like that kind of help you get a sense for the city, especially if you've never been. So, um, that's what you try to do something that's unique to the city and definitely try to avoid like a chain or something like that. For example, yeah, I try to avoid like a chain for sure. Um, my kind of guy. Okay. Yeah. If I go to like a, if I go to like a steakhouse or something, like I try to find something that's a little bit different rather than just getting like the filet. So, um, try to spice it up and keep things interesting to kind of get a feel for the city as much as I can for how little time we're there. Good stuff, man. Good any, stuff. any cities that have particularly stuck out in this regard? Yeah. Uh, Toronto, Toronto was really good. Um, we did, we did go to a steakhouse there, but I got like, uh, I got like a, like a pork chop or like a lamb chop with like some like really cool, like kind of sauce. Like I, I, I can't even describe it, but like the sauce was great. It was different. It was unique. And the restaurant was really good. If you're ever, um, I'll check your schedule because I don't know if the Wizards play in Houston, but if you do play in Houston, let me know. Uh, I'll tell you where to eat. I think we have a trip to month to Houston before the end of the year. So let me know. I got you. Rain off. Rush knows all the spots there. He, he's go, always easy. Um, so let's finish up with this, Corey. We ask everybody. It's just kind of fun and being your big foodie. Um, who's going to go to the dinner with you? Pick three people, dead or alive, um, all time. Male, we ask female. everyone and we get some very interesting answers. Interesting answers. <sighs> no pressure. Pick whoever you want and tell us why. Okay. Um, hmm. Okay. I think number one, like uh, we mentioned this before I got on the call, but uh, David Goggins is one of them. He's the author of the book that I just finished reading. Um, Spent time in the military, runs ultra marathons, crazy, mentally tough, um, super intense. If you like watching any of the, like any of his videos, just type his name in and look on YouTube, like very, very intense. And so I'm sure he would have just like a lot of stuff to say. Um, Definition of a badass. Number one, him. David Goggins. Mm-hmm. Number Author. one, David Goggins. Number two, um, the sport that I like have an addiction to outside of basketball is golf. There we uh, go. Very well. Oh, man. <laughs> which ties very good into business. Um, so I think that I would probably go with John Daly next. Yeah, buddy. Okay. Okay. Now, see, the, the obvious answer is Tiger Woods, but I think I, I was going to say Tiger or Phil, but John yeah, Daly for I sure. I think I need a little bit of mellow and like relaxed to counterbalance David Goggins. So John Daly is number two. Are you the best uh, golfer on the wizard? Yes. 
I'll right. say that confidently. Yeah. Hey, my, uh, my guy did not hesitate. He just looked yeah. and said, yes. <laughs> Who would be second best? Can anybody come close? Are you under a 10 handicap? Yeah, I play. I finished up last summer at a four. That a guy. Yeah. And then uh, the next best, probably Kuzma. He plays the next most. So I need to get to Washington so bad to golf. That's one of my number one states. It's sweet. It's sweet up there. And then, gosh, number three. Um, I think I hit a classic and just go like way back in history and do like a Abraham Lincoln, maybe. It's a really eclectic crew, but uh, I would learn a lot and kind of get different angles from each person. So honest, Abe, John Daly, David Goggins. Wow. Okay. I like that. Drinking shoes on. Well, (laughs) seriously. Well, Corey, we appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Uh, Best of luck on the rest of your rookie rookie season. Best of luck tomorrow against the Pistons. We will certainly be watching and keeping track of your trajectory and progression and uh, hope to see you back on the show sometime down the line. Yeah, of course, fellas. Thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it. Really appreciate you, Corey. Keep grinding and it's coming. Yep. Your time to shine, baby. Later.